And welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer. And returning guest is uh, Dr. David Perlmutter. Uh, is, is it okay if I call you David? Absolutely. Great. Thank you. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a, uh, you are a professor of communication at Texas Tech University? Yes. Great, yes. And if your name sounds familiar, it's probably because you, you were on my podcast, which seems like five months ago, but it probably could have been four or five years ago. Yes, and thank you very much for inviting me back. I really enjoy your podcast. I, I know you don't get a chance to put up episodes as, as often as you want, yeah, but yeah. they're always very interesting topically and a lot of great content. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. And, and if you have not heard the previous uh, episode with uh, Dr. Perlmutter, uh, you may go, aren't you that guy that does that, all those anti-wheat books or something? <laughs> yeah, no, un- unfortunately, uh, it's, it's an uncommon name, but there are some people, uh, individuals with that name that are pretty f- much more famous than I am, uh, much wealthier too, much more influential uh, but I'm not. I'm not him. I'm not the grain brain person, or, right. or the the uh, the president, the vice president of Intel, or I think there's a couple of other David Perlmutters oh, okay. out there. Yeah, I think there's. I think there's only one Carl Mamer on the planet. So, uh, yeah, I better not. Uh, I, it better not be another Carl Mamer popping up, like you know. And that Carl Mamer ate the flesh from the bones of his victims, and it's like, no, I'm not that guy. No, yeah, that's the problem. Sometimes with having a very uncommon last name, if if someone does do something that's not even related to you, boy, you're you're doomed. All right. And if I recall, you you were on uh, like you you're uh, you're big into like mass communication and media and and sort of sort of tying all that together. Can you just give us sort of the the four one one on your uh, your your area of specialty and research? Sure. Uh, I have been teaching and researching about media and communication for now almost 30 years, and my areas of specialization are under the heading of political communication. I'm basically interested in how communication is used to persuade people, and that could be persuade people to buy a product, but also to vote, to uh, have a particular political opinion, to... uh, join the army. I mean, just, I'm just interested in visual persuasion and its relation to politics. So yeah, if you remember last time I was on the show, we talked about the, some of the famous icons of photojournalism and to what extent they affected politics, decision-making at the government level, war and peace and so on. So just generally, I'm interested in how media can play a role in persuasion. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And and I think you were sort of uh, you were like you know because I think that might have been at the beginning of the 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 Trump presidency and you were like you know don't don't reach for the you know the the Hitler thing quite yet you know there's a lot of there's a lot of steps before you can you know get get your underlings to you know start you know sending people in the gas chambers it's a, it it takes a lot before people do that. Yeah, you made a very good point. I was talking about the fact that sometimes we think that somebody sees a message and then suddenly their brain does a complete reverse and they take up a belief that they've never had before and they do terrible things, almost like some sort of 
uh, injection right, right. <laughs> of microchip or something to make them think away. But the fact is, in most t- instances in history, where either small groups or aggregates, big populations of people have done something, there's been a lot of buildup. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's hard to just have one message and say, you will hate all Canadians. Right. There probably has been a buildup of hatred of Canadians for 20 years before you can get people to, to really act against Canadians. And I, uh, I, that's not the case, obviously, Canadians, but it is this case with other groups. So Media can play a role, but the way I always put it in the past is is believing is seen, that we tend to have beliefs and then we tend to plug our the information we get, including in visual information, into those beliefs. It's actually rarer that we completely turn around our beliefs just based upon a little bit of information or visual data. Right, yeah. And, and you, you had a great point. I, I, I don't know if you made it in my podcast or if you, you did it in, uh, I think it was from, uh, from one of your, uh, your talks. You could, you can, you can go on on YouTube and if you can kind of filter around the, uh, the wheat brain guy, uh, you, you do have some really good talks up on, up on, uh, you, you, YouTube. And I think one of your points was, and this is almost prophetic in a way you're sort of talking about how like you know the nazis and even before the nazis people kind of went around committing atrocities and they you know they photographed themselves and 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 then you know like aren't we awesome look at what we're doing we're doing this awesome stuff really you know just really uh you know putting these people down and 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 then you know this also then eventually then becomes evidence in war crimes trials and and i I was thinking oh that's just like the you know the 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 storming of the capital you know it's like all these people were you know videotaping themselves or you know putting it up on uh you know uh uh social media sites just thinking aren't we awesome but you know oh it's now come to bite them on the butt you know well we were talking about visualization of warfare, and I wrote a book in 2008 called Visions of War, and I had a chapter in there about the horrors of war. And I was making the point that you could argue that the notion of the atrocity photo or the horrible photo of war that we're supposed to recoil and say, isn't this terrible, is a relatively modern incarnation <laughs> that if you look back in time, there were many civilizations from the Assyrians to the ancient Mayans to the Romans who showed things to, to the Nazis, you know, to, who showed uh, visual images that we today might go, wow, that is just horrible how that was done to those poor people. But they were doing it as uh, tourist photography. They were <laughs> doing it as trophy photos. They were doing it as propaganda of you know, we're bad, don't mess with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they had very different motivations. The same picture can be shown to justify or to attack. Uh, it really depends on the mind of the believer. And I think that's that's the key is that we, we still, my, my position is we have will. Right. <laughs> you can't say I was propagandized to commit those murders. I was propagandized to, right. to, to do those terrible things. You have will, and you should take personal responsibility for your actions. Exactly, yeah. And uh, and before we actually do jump into uh, your, your topic today, you kind of you you had an I don't know if it's a correction or if it's an interesting point that Jerry Drake and I had what we're talking about Neander, Neanderthals, uh, how 
I forget what the what, I, I think we might have made the point that you know sort of you know Neanderthals were maybe considered you know a less desirable branch of humanity, and and in 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 you found that white supremacists actually sort of you know are very proud of their Neanderthal DNA or something. Uh, well, th- it is an interesting fact. Uh, I, th- I think you know, the scientific thinking changes every 20 or 30 years as new discoveries come along. But I believe that an earlier description of Neanderthals was that, that there was no mixture. Like the Neanderthals (laughs) were either died out through competition with our historical, with our ancestors or we killed them or both. But now when they do DNA tests, they find that quite a number of people, especially people who have European heritage, where our ancestors in Neanderthals met, uh, there's three to five or 6% Neanderthal DNA. (laughs) So like anything, people can take pride (laughs) in something they have no control over and may have no effect on them. So yeah, you find some people like proudly boasting their Neanderthal heritage. Now I think there's nothing wrong with having Neanderthal heritage. Just like there's nothing wrong with having uh, any kind of heritage per se. I mean, it's not something, again, it's not something you have control over, Uh, but I don't think it's ever been shown that it has either a positive or a negative effect on modern people uh, today so you know i I sort of thought it interesting that you know i mean if we go back far enough we are all here because we are descended from somebody who is able to just you know basically put a spear through another guy's stomach before that guy put the spear through his stomach you know that there is a we we are the descendants of you know are here because someone very early in our family tree was really super violent and and was just better at being super violent than the next guy. Well, I, I think you could say that there are obviously positive genes that developed over time. Uh, I was reading recently about how this, there's considerable evidence now that the ability to speak right. language in a very complex way like we do, which is unlike almost, I, I think, any other animal is a, is a relatively recent gene in the human species and that you may not go back very, very far and find that people couldn't articulate words with the range that, that we do. So you could argue when that gene was developed, it really helped yeah. <laughs> to have that gene. It was a positive addition and it helped our competition to be able to have conversations. Like, right. you know, three last year I was here at this time and the bison came through here. I think if we wait just a few weeks, we're going to get some bison for dinner. Right. Yeah. That's a pretty complex conversation if you think about it. And it's good, it's good to develop that gene. Then absolutely, a lot of scientists who study the past say that there's a good deal of randomness uh, I mean, those uh, the hobbits, the the famous <laughs> Homo florensis, you know, the, the little yeah. people that were discovered on that uh, island in uh, the south south uh, East Asia. Um, they were just they happened to be next to a volcano, and the volcano exploded. Right, so right. their gene pool was out. <laughs> yeah. So, and then finally, 
yeah, in, entire human populations wiped out and other entire human populations. So their gene pools were wiped out and the ones who were left were added to the gene pool. You, you see these things about how many people are des- the, descended from Genghis Khan or from those one particular Viking who like 11 million people are descended from. Uh, so there are different ways to affect the modern heritage. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, but yeah, but we're 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 not here to talk about our uh, no. our, our ancient ancestors. Something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more recent uh, is the GameStop. So it's called the GameStop Short Squeeze. If if you, if you remember, gosh, what was that? Like two months ago, three months ago? When did this all go down? Yeah, and and I actually think some of the things we've been talking about are related to this. So. Adam Smith, let's let's go back to Adam Smith right. for just a moment here, uh, made a very important point once when he said that conspiracy occurs, I'm paraphrasing here, whenever two people get together who are in the same business, basically. So right. when two bakers get together, they may be sharing recipes, they may be talking about how much they're charging for cupcakes. So at a very low level, there's a conspiracy. And because that's part of what humans do, right? When we, when we get together, we find something in common. And if we're thrown together and we're in the same business, then it's, it's, it's normal we're going to talk about that business. Now, I am a normal person. I really, I'm not a reptile. I, 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 haven't, <laughs> I don't have any massive institutional wealth. So if I want to save for my retirement, just like you, or I wish to purchase a stock, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much on my own. I'm not an institution, right? I I don't have a company. I don't have a hedge fund. I don't have a a group of 50 other people working with me, thinking, staying up nights, thinking, what should I invest in? I'm a retail investor, just like if I went into a store and bought an orange that's the way I buy stocks. And that's the vast majority of people, right? But then we have these massive institutions that we're well aware of. We have banks, we have uh, stock brokerage firms, we have hedge funds, investment companies, and their names are proverbial. But mo- and, and some of them, like JP Morgan, have been around a long, long, long time, right? The Lloyds of London, banks uh, with famous names. They inherently have an advantage over us. So this is a conspiracy theory, which is based upon a general truth, which is the little guy is typically in the past, especially, but you could argue a lot now is outbalanced by the powers of the big guys in the world of economics and finance. And especially the case with like hedge funds and these other companies they can invest a billion dollars in a stock or, and you know, there's all these, now these complicated financial instruments, derivatives and spiders. For for me, a a complicated financial instrument is a put in a call, like (laughs) to bet that a a stock is going to go down. You're not actually buying the stock, a call to bet you're betting the stock is going to go up. Uh, the whole world of altcoins, you know, Bitcoin that actually, we just had a a sort of mini crash today on uh, the 19th of May of, of these altcoins, Ethereum and Bitcoin and so on. 
these are so complicated things. And it used to be in the past that first little guys, they, 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 we just didn't have a chance. I mean, we could invest in a company. Like if, if, if Carl, if you went back in time and you could only say two words to your 18 year old self, right. I think unless you have something really important in your personal life, you want to tell them, I, I would say, buy Amazon. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and maybe my 18 year old self would not know what I'm talking about, but I, I hope I would be able to figure it out. But yeah. Maybe three words, buy Amazon stock or buy Apple stock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's possible for the little guy to make some money, but generally we're outclassed by these big institutions. But what happened in the last couple of years was first we have this rise of the internet, social media, this alternative way of finding out information where I don't have to go to the Wharton Business School and get an MBA in finance <laughs> to complete to understand what a put or a call is. Then we also had the lockdown where a lot of people were locked at home <laughs> without normal social interaction. So of course they turned to streaming movies and spending time on social media. And they started talking about things. Then we had more and more younger people with some disposable income in the United States. We had some subsidies that were given out to people for you know $1,200 and $600. And what happened was what's called the Wall Street Bets phenomenon. And it actually refers to a Reddit site, Reddit being the, the, the huge social media site where you can pick any topic whatsoever. You know. <laughs> Carl Mamer read it, <laughs> Bigfoot read it, uh, uh, Cuban pop, uh, pork sandwich read it. <laughs> Any topic whatsoever, there is a Reddit of people interested in that where you can interact with them. And Wall Street Bets is one of these. And people started aggregating there without the benefit of complicated financial advisors working for big firms and saying, hey, the equivalent of maybe you remember some old movie where these kids would get together in high school and say, let's put on a show yeah, and they'd yeah. get together and put on a musical comedy or something for their parents. Well, these people, often younger people got together and said, Hey, there's a million of us. Let's all buy stock in Carl Mamer incorporated right. or in the case that actually happened in GameStop, which was a, is a retail store, although it's also a website, but it wasn't doing very well because a lot of retail stores weren't doing very well during COVID and were, were going downhill because of Amazon anyway. In AMC theaters, which of course also was not doing well. So they were picking stocks, which objectively did not really have great value in them. But because a million people on the internet got together and said, let's buy the stock, and, and this is one of the terms, it went to the moon. Right. Stonked to the, to the moon. And it's almost, I mean, I guess when they do the movie, it's almost a David. Well, David doesn't kill Goliath, but David really angers Goliath and <laughs> like breaks Goliath's arm. Some of these hedge firms lost billions of dollars betting that the stock would stay low or go down while these millions of little guys bought individual shares or $500 or a thousand dollars 
and hurt the hedge fund that's betting that the stock will go down. Right. So that's the sort of basic story of Wall Street bets. Right. And then after that, we can talk about the conspiracy parts yeah. of it. So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you were a savvy investor and you go, what's a good stock to short? Well, yeah, it, people aren't seeing movies. And, uh, you know, like you go into GameStop. I mean, last time I was in GameStop, you, you don't buy software anymore, it seems. You just you buy an empty box and... <laughs> You can then just download it, like so. It's it's you know so sometimes so what what these what these companies are offering you know I, obviously COVID uh, was killing movie you know theaters and 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 internet is making you know you just don't go in and buy a like I say buy a buy a computer game anymore with some floppy disks and put it in your computer and yeah right so if you were like a hedge fund you know and you were like sort of shorting stocks that seems like a a, a wise thing. Yes, it, it does. And now that was a particular phenomenon. Now, if you go to Wall Street Bets or some of these other places, you find lots of different stocks being talked about. And some of them, they do go into like extremely dense detail about the actual value of the stock. That this, It's not just throwing darts at, at the wall, but the particular phenomenon is the idea that individuals aggregating through social media can take on the big boys sitting in Wall Street with their massive institutional uh, funding. Right, right, yeah. Uh, which is factually true, but the fact is also people are losing a lot of money. In fact, I have a lot of screenshots for the work research I'm doing on this of people posting, well, Yep, I just hey you apes, which is one of the terms that people <laughs> refer to each other on on red red. Okay. I just lost all of my college money, but who cares? I'm holding on. Right, <laughs> right. Now that's a big deal to me. I, I feel sorry if somebody's lost all of their college money, but I think part of this is you remember a term that used to be around a, a, a while ago. At, besides. Uh, some other ones at, at the turn of the step. We, we now say the turn of the century and we mean the 20th to the yeah. 21st. I'm old enough to remember what the previous turn of the century discussion, but uh, it's called fan de siècle. This idea that like things are going to go to hell anyway. So you might as well just party. Sorry. What, what, what was the term again? Fan de siècle. The end of the era. Oh, okay. I thought okay. all you Canadians are supposed to be fluent no, in. No, it sounds, sounds Spanish to me. Carl, je suis désolé. <laughs> or is that French? <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, it is. I oh. think, isn't it illegal in Canada for not you not to understand? Uh, yeah, well, that's 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 another okay. half-hour conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so so it's this idea that you know Rome is burning. Let's party. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yes, and yes. I. This is something of great concern to me whenever I get together with people like myself. We have kids, and we worry mm -hmm. that our kids are going to be the first generation of Americans, and I include Canadians under the term right. Americans, Ameri yeah. you know, North Americans, right, yeah. where our kids are not going to have as good a life as we do. Yeah. You know, the, the great climb of the 20th century to prosperity uh, inflation is up. You, I mean, you see the gas lines, uh, uh, all sorts of disasters are occurring. And I think that there is among young people, this idea like, 
what am I saving this money for? I mean, am I really going to collect my pension? Am I going to collect my 401k? Am I going to collect my social security? These, these are USA terms, but I'm sure Canada has its equivalent, but like, I think a lot of them are saying as a social phenomenon, what the heck I'm going to put all my college money or all my wedding money on one stock one day, because I'm going to lose it anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always sort of like when I think of, you know, I mean, I've been thinking this a long time. I can just like, boy, when I have kids, you know, I'm just going to tell my kids, you know, you don't, you don't know how good I had it. I had it so good. Like I, I drove a car to school at 16. I drove my, I had my own car, drove to school. Now you have to walk 10 miles in snow to get to school. I had it so good. Like that's how we're going to talk to our kids. And, and I think about like, say like university, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I graduated with like, you know, six years university, I graduated like about $5,000 in student debt. And, you know, my classrooms were relatively uncrowded. And I, 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 just, I wouldn't want to have to go to university today because it would be expensive and crowded. Yeah. So here's the conspiracy part of this. On the one hand, if you go on TikTok, Instagram, Reddit, you will see over and over again a factual truth, which is the little guy is fighting to some extent the big companies, <laughs> the banks, the hedge funds. They have an unfair advantage. You can take these examples where the Bertie Madoff scandal, where we read that there were people who were pointing at Madoff and saying it's mathematically, statistically, financially impossible for him to be making the returns that he has. He needs to be investigated. He was investigated several times. And surprise, the investigation found nothing, right? And so you're thinking like, hmm, all these people are in cahoots. the, The big criminal gets away with it for 30 years. 2008, only a few people go to jail. In 2008, after that financial collapse, which hurts so many people, the European financial crisis, a lot of financial crises, you're going like the the big people created this and they're not being held accountable. Mm -hmm. So you can completely understand why people would have a general conspiracy theory, which I think is correct, that, that, that these financial institutions have too much power over us. But then you start getting really specific and wild conspiracies coming out of that where I think personally there's less evidence. Like, let me just go back to Adam Smith and the two bakers meeting to talk about bakery, right? In the United States, it is technically illegal to collude to fix prices. And some people have gone to jail. Some people have been fined like the chicken manufacturers getting together or something to to fix chicken prices. So the problem is when people get over enthusiastic about this and they make it sound like every banker (laughs) and every hedge fund manager and every billionaire in the world get together on Thursday at five o'clock and agree on policy for the whole world. And, and that's a conspiracy too far for me. So, so my, my argument is that level one conspiracy of like, I wish the government was a better financial watchdog of the big companies that are getting away with things which I could never get away with as an individual. Right, right. 
So that level one conspiracy is pretty true. It's when you start getting to level two and three and you start bringing in uh, aliens from outer space right, and right. Uh, that, that every single bank in the world is part of some global financial conspiracy, that, that, that begins to be the problem. <laughs> right, right. And I would argue that when you do that, it distracts from the kind of actions we should be encouraging to deal with the level one conspiracy. Right. And you've made this point before on your show where you've said that allegations of something bad happening are right, but the people who then take those and start going into aliens and reptilians and uh, ghosts and, and make it worse. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you just sort of t- take it and just run with it. You just you just start start piling on yeah yeah absolutely and we need reform we need to level the playing field there's a writer named michael lewis i don't know if you've heard of him he wrote the big short he writes oh, right, yes, yes, really yeah. good books uh on, I, saw, I saw the movie it was a good movie yeah excellent an excellent book too and he's a I, I don't think he's a banker or anything. He's, he's a journalist, but he writes these really good books to explain, especially financial issues, right? And, and typically, like The Big Short was about all real estate, banks, all these things conspiring to sell junk mortgages that eventually collapsed, right? right? Because people couldn't pay their bills and then we had the real estate collapse. Well, he has a really good point that he made. I heard him make a couple of years ago, and I think he actually started a podcast for a while on this. He said that today, left wing, right wing, on almost every issue, people don't trust the refs. Right, right. Like we're watching a baseball game and we're going, the refs are not to be trusted. They're, they're cheating themselves. And I think that if you look at almost everything, politics, govern, government, the military, financial markets, milk, gasoline, everything, basically we don't trust the people who are in charge of institutions. And I'm saying at, at level one, there is evidence that, yeah, probably we shouldn't trust a lot of the people who are running major institutions. And that's what makes it a conspiracy theory that is kind of sort of (laughs) true, but not true to that mega level that we were just talking about. Hey, um, sort of define what uh, short selling is. Let me, let me try and illustrate it. You tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. So short sell, so let's say I, I go to you, David, and I say, give me your house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell your house. You just give it to me. And you go, okay. So I sell your house and I sell it for a million dollars. But I also promise you, David, six months from now, I'm going to buy your neighbor's house. It's exactly the same as your house. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give you a little bit of money for your, your, your time and effort. So I've got a million bucks now in my pocket. 
Uh, and, but, but my gamble is that your neighbor's house isn't going to be worth a million dollars six months from now. Your neighbor's, so I'm going to be able to buy that house for $200,000. And you're, you're happy because you, you, you're back in the same house, right? Identical house. Uh, and you got some money for your time and efforts. And I'm happy because I, I got your house. I sold it for a million dollars. Uh, and then was able to put you in a new house for $200,000. And, I'm I'm eight hundred thousand dollars up. Is that roughly uh, what the short selling is? Yes, I, roughly. <laughs> roughly, <yeah. laughs> very, very, very roughly. Uh, basically, short selling is where you're you're betting that something will go down. Right. So, and, and that something can be aluminum, and it can be AT and T stock, right? right? And and you're you're saying that at a certain date, so if I buy a put option, I am betting that, say, AT&T stock will be below a certain amount by a certain date. And the difference between what I'm saying I can pay for the stock and what the stock will actually be will be to my benefit. So if I if I say that AT&T stock a year from now is going to be $20 American dollars and then now it's selling for $30 that means that when if 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 I get to that point and it is lower then I'm making a profit. Right. And and then buying call options is sort of the same thing. You're betting a stock is going to go up. Now, now the, the, the really complicated part about this is that, okay, that would work if you were actually taking possession of the stock, but most people don't take possession. It's like people who buy, uh, who speculate in commodities don't, don't take delivery of, of 16 tons of aluminum to your house, right? <laughs> You're just betting financial instruments. Right, yeah. You're just trading paper or, or digits now, yeah. electrons. And so that's where people get into trouble because they, first of all, they borrow money that they don't have. They're, but they're buying on margin, right? It's like it, mm-hmm. all speculation is not based upon money you actually have. It's about money that you've borrowed. And that's what happened with the real estate collapse of 2008 is a lot of people owned homes where they, the, what they paid for the home, to use your example, was not the, the price of the home. The right. price of the home declined below what they were paying. So they were underwater, was the, yeah. if you recall the term, was that I – I, somebody bought their home in Florida for $600,000 and they were paying a bank based upon that $600,000 valuation. Well, the price of their home went to $400,000. So there was no point in them paying off that mortgage. Right. Yeah. So if they it, walked away and the bank was stuck with a loss. Yeah. If I understand it too, the banks were, the banks were kind of like, all right, you know, Carl Mamer, uh, he's, you know, he's never owned a credit card in his life. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't even know how to open the door to that house, but you, you know what, uh, we're going to lend him the money because we think that six months from now, when Carl falls on his face financially, that house is going to be, you know, not a million dollars. It's going to be 1.5 and we'll just repossess it. 
and we're 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 you know we're 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 up, right? So so to me that was sort of what the like what the banks were kind of thinking, right? It would- yes, and also what they were doing, which was the started out as a great idea that like ended badly, was this idea. If you remember in the movie The Big Short, there's a wonderful scene where a banker is explaining how the real estate uh, uh, tranches work, right? Right. So if Carl Mamer is working, owns an auto dealership, right? right? And he's making a lot of money. He's probably a pretty good uh, bet (laughs) to pay his mortgage, for say a five hundred thousand dollar house, if he owns a Nissan auto dealership in Toronto, okay, right, right. right. On the other hand, there may be somebody else in Toronto who's unemployed, <laughs> right, right. Not, not <laughs> and he's also guy. bought a five hundred thousand dollar house, right? Yeah. Well, what the banks were doing were they were taking the sort of Class A mortgages, where there's a good chance that that person will be able to pay off their mortgage, and combining them right, right. with the so-called junk mortgages where there there's no way that person is ever going to pay off their mortgage and combining them together into this complicated financial globule. Right. Right. <laughs> and then selling that so that you didn't actually know how bad what you were buying was worth. Now that to me in retrospect was a criminal act but it wasn't actually against the law. And so that's where the conspiracy theory comes in is why, why would the government allow? Well, here's, here's a little bit of history of that is it wasn't just the banks. It was politicians who loved the idea, which was a very popular idea of like, Oh, you know, we need to get people into homes and it's terrible that somebody isn't able to buy a home. So we need to loosen credit. So that was a popular idea. That wasn't necessarily just a banker's idea. That was a, a, a political idea that it was good to get people into homes and buy homes. And so we need to make it easier for people to buy cars, easier people to buy buy homes. And that's still with us today to some extent. You know, car, car ownership is a very good example is that uh, what is it? The, the, the most dangerous thing you can say when you walk in to buy a car is, this is what I'd like to pay each month, right? Because the car dealer, well, I think a lot of car dealers, some car dealers will go, oh, okay, we'll get you to that payment. And then you end up with credit paying for three times the value of the car right? Yes. over 50 years or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> I, 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 I will vouch for that. I, uh, way in the... In the nine, was it the nineties? I, I wrote some books in the nineties, and you know, and it was sort of like write this book. Here's five thousand dollars. Write this book. Here's five thousand dollars. So I made enough in cash that I could go out and just buy a car for cash, right? And I discovered, you know, what you don't do. You don't go into a dealership and go, "I've got twenty thousand dollars in cash. I want a car," because they will sell you a car for twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> like they will not. They will not sell you a car for $15,000, they will expect you to pay exactly how much you told them you have in the bank for that car. So yeah, don't ever tell (laughs) the the car guy how much you can pay and want to pay. Yeah. And so 
in the world of conspiracies, I, I, I think you had a show recently where you talked about how conspiracy study is not as much fun as it used to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> conspiracies used to be sort of funny and interesting and quirky. And now the, the meanness and the, the hate is so much part of conspiracizing on the internet that it's like hard to read. <laughs> some of them. Uh, and I agree with that. The one thing that I would add based upon my interest in this wall street phenomenon is that I, I do blame people for believing really crazy stuff. But on the other hand, it's almost like, a lot of the institutions in this country are working really hard to give people red meat <laughs> to believe in the conspiracies yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the way they behave I, 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 uh, I, I, and, I the, and the things that they do. Yeah. They're their own worst enemies at times. Uh, I don't know if you remember my, uh, my sort of very frequent guest, um, uh, Stuart Robbins, the, the astronomer yeah. Rael, he, uh, yeah, because he, he was on the uh, Pluto mission, uh, New, New Horizons, and uh, he, he worked really hard, you know, kind of analyzing, you know, sort of the, their, their public communication going, if you say that, the cranks are going to think you're talking about a pyramid on Pluto, you know, like, like he, he did a really, uh, he tried, didn't fully succeed, but uh, he, he worked really hard to sort of make sure, sure that the language being used could not be, yeah, could not be sort of spun, uh, you know, by, 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 by the cranks, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but that would be sort of a rare example in the other way for, for, for sure. It does seem, yes, institutions. I mean, like, in Canada, you know, we're like, you know, as we started discussing a bit offline, we're, we're not, uh, we're kind of botching the whole vaccine rollout a bit, you know? So, I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, you know, so it, in some ways that, you know, people in, in, in the, in the States who are very sort of pro, you know, you know, we don't want the socialized medicine. We're just giving them this wonderful ammo to go look up in Canada. They, they can't even get this vaccine distribution thing right. You know, yeah, yeah, it is, uh, it is a little, little di distressing at times. Yes. Uh, and, and I think this is the sort of conspiracy conundrum we find ourselves in is that nothing happens today. No news incident, no historical event, nothing seems to happen without a conspiracy being built around it within minutes. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's almost like nobody can accept anything happened the way it's reported to have happened or the, something straight without any complications or any, any conspiracizing behind it. Everything is a conspiracy if you read Reddit. Exactly. It's a, it's a false flag crisis actors, you know, it, it's just, oh. yeah, everything. And, and I think that that's sad and that's, that's terrible. However, and, and I, and, and I think a lot of them are wrong, factually wrong. Although I, I, I have to say, it's not like I sat down and like investigated all of them. However, I really also have to blame the world <laughs> and, and, it, and our governments and institutions for doing a lot of things that give ammunition to people who believe that. So, so 
I, I, I no longer believe that all conspiracy, I, I no longer believe that I, I, there are crazy conspiracies and there are crazy conspiracy theorists, but I'm a little bit more forgiving about how somebody could believe some of this stuff when I see how institutions behave. Right, right. Now the, uh, the 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 game the game stop sort of that that sort of short short squeeze. I mean it. Um, what, what what was the name of the uh, the hedge fund? Mel- Melvin Capital. Mel- Melvin Capital. Right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Famously lost a lot of money, and and that was a wonderful day. I mean, I, I guess it, maybe it's churlish of me to, to be happy <laughs> at anybody's displeasure, but let's face it, we all like it to stick it to the big guy and, and yeah, read yeah. stories about that. So the hundreds of thousands of retail investors. Now, the fact is, I don't think anybody's done a study because these are anonymous people on the internet. I don't know how many people made money, individuals investing in GameStop. Again, all all I have to look at is when I look historically at game, the Reddit, Reddit, Wall Street bets, some people post, which is also a very new phenomenon. In the past, people didn't post their uh, stock market um, screens, you know, <laughs> right, right. What's done, but people are posting. I lost this money. Yeah. I made this money. Right. So we don't actually, we, we know that the big guy, Melvin capital took a hit. I, we just don't know how many little guys actually walked away with money and then went, went out and bought a car for cash. Right. right? right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's the it's Melvin Capital. It's, it's a, a hedge fund, which is you know, you and I, we will never invest in hedge fund because that's you, you got to be pretty. You, you got to have you got to have some bucks to throw around to to just to get into a hedge fund, right? You got to have like millions of dollars, not like you know. Well, here's my here's my ten thousand dollars every year I'm putting into my my retirement plan kind kind of thing. But but and now I don't know who Melvin Capital who's is investing for, but, you know, I mean, looking around, I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, yeah, sure. Whatever Bill Gates and Bezos, they've lost money. Great. Well, whatever. But then I look, I go, well, you know, there are pension funds that are investing, maybe not Melvin capital. They are investing in hedge funds because they need, you know, pension funds are like, we, geez, we need higher returns to pay off the, the benefits of, you know, all this huge yes. group of people. And I think yeah. to myself, you know, yeah, you're you're kind of dancing in the street that the super rich guy is is screwed. But at the same time, if if you know, then it hits another hedge fund where you know your your dad, the firefighter, or your you know your 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 uncle, the the, the city worker, his pension fund is, is is invested in that, and now he's going to he's now affected, you know, you know, you have to be very careful somebody because, because the whole, the, the whole system is so interlocked, you know, that, that, that just because a, a rich guy is going down, does it mean that, you know, your uncle may not also pay the price someplace down the road too? That's an excellent point. And that shows how it's hard to make the simplistic statement of <laughs> it's I little person versus evil, big person, because if you've worked, for any place, you have probably some. I mean, a lot of people don't have retirement funds, and that's very bad to be able uh, to depend on on the social security in the United States and stuff like that. But but most middle class people have a four hundred one k, have a pension, something like that, 
And we don't know where they're putting that money. And I will give you an exact perfect example of what you're talking about. Um, there is in the United States, I, I don't know whether it's in Canada as well, It's called, but there's, there's there, I won't name it, but there's a fund <laughs> where most professors' money goes for our retirement. Right. And uh, and they're good, and and I'm 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 happy that I'm in there. And and a lot of universities, what they'll do is they'll, and just like a lot of companies with a four hundred one k, they'll match, right? Let's right. Say, yeah. They deduct a certain amount, and then they'll they'll put in a certain amount, and then it, it helps you save for retirement. And that's a good thing because people aren't naturally good savers, and so say that there's a mechanism for saving retirement. It's wonderful. Well, I a couple back several financial crises ago, I was reading how this particular pension fund was heavily vested in the debt of a certain Latin American country. And, and I'm, again, I'm not naming the pension fund and I'm not naming the Latin American country, but the, this Latin American country basically declared bankruptcy and default on this. And then they, they sued in the world court. It was very, this very complicated thing, but basically they didn't have to pay all their debt back. A lot of the debt was written off. Now you could argue from the point of view of uh, David (laughs) uh, versus Goliath. uh, Yeah. This, this evil big uh, financial institution took advantage of this poor Latin American country. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm the evil (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The, pen, the pension fund, uh, and again, I'm keeping names out of this, but 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 there's a lot of examples of that. Is that it's not just an, a hedge fund with 12 billionaire investors. A lot of what's in the stock market is the accumulation of hundreds of thousands, mil, tens of millions of 401ks. And you don't know where your 401k is doing. You don't know if it's doing good or doing evil, right? I mean, you, you can't invest now. There are these, these instruments funds, or yeah. funds which declare, well, we won't invest in tobacco companies. We won't right. invest in oil companies. But actually, those are pretty rare. Yeah. Mainly, we, we might be evil. <laughs> we might be the big guy yeah. in a little increment. We just don't know it. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got mutual funds and I'm like for you know my retirement and I'm like I I don't know. I, I give money to my broker, you know, very nice woman. Uh uh and I give her money every year and then she puts it in something and then I get a statement every few months and it's like it's gone up or maybe it's gone down a little. I, I don't know I don't know what it, right it could be like like oh yeah we're we're just you know Putin, we're just giving Putin all the money and he's like then buying heroin and, you know, and, and I'm like, but my mutual fund went up 10% last year. So go Putin and heroin. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the, the interconnectedness that you talked about. That's, that's so part of the modern world. And I think we we've said before, and a number of your guests have said before, you've said it, that, Conspiracy theories are very attractive because they simplify mm-hmm. shockingly complex things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the financial markets are so complex. I don't understand them. And you, you do need a PhD. In, I mean, uh, you need a PhD in physics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so a, lot yeah. of, a lot of ex uh, STEM scientists who went to Wall Street before 2008. That's a famous story about the physicist, the, 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 uh, 
devising these really complex financial instruments. So you need to be a literal rocket scientist <laughs> yeah. to understand the formula behind your 401k. It's so much simpler to just say, okay, evil people from Venus control everything. Yes, no, yes. Okay, got it. And I'm innocent. I'm, I'm the little guy. I've got nothing to do with, with evil. And that's a very attractive thing, isn't it, to, to, to say that. The problem is that it, it, it is so interconnected, and it's very hard to prove that we are virtuous. I mean, I don't know where my money is for retirement. You don't know. I mean, Carl Mamer, you may be providing for your children through Syrian war bonds, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for all you know. <laughs> Well, it's it's like uh, like like Bitcoin, right? Like you know, I mean, that people are like, well, you know, Bitcoin. It's it's just this. We're putting it to the financial institute, you know, system, and and, and no banks control it, and you can't just print up money anymore. But then, when you kind of look at it, go, yeah, okay, yeah, but they're like, you know, they're 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 burning mountains of coal in China every year to create power to mine bitcoin and you know and so there there's a there's the huge environmental cost now for this seemingly just virtual currency i mean i I think that might have been what maybe drove down the price of those virtual currencies is is when i think was it tesla is like yeah we're trying to create these super friendly environmentally friendly cars but then we're taking you know we're taking like a you know you know pelts from kittens or something like this maybe not let me give you a perfect example of that norway every i mean how many people have you met who are anti-norwegian like hate people from norway i mean maybe some a few swedes or something me me, no i I am but i've got i've got a story there but i won't tell it but yeah plus some swedes okay uh but 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 you know norway is is a a pretty wealthy country and it has a good brand right i mean they haven't invaded it or bombed anybody lately. They're, it's been a while since people felt Norway was throwing its weight around or something like that. <laughs> they have a pretty good brand. Well, they made a lot of money from oil. <laughs> a lot of their wealth yeah. is from selling hydrocarbons, right? And and now they're super environmentally friendly, but they made and they're still making a lot of money from, from oil. So... Uh, <laughs> Are they virtuous? Yeah. Are they more virtuous than, than the United States or than Texas? I, I don't. I. It, it's too complicated to make the statement that there are these individual virtuous people, and then over there there's the, the evil people, and there's this simple. I think we talked about this before. There's a wonderful line from Alexander Solzhenitsyn where he talked about that there is again I'm paraphrasing. There's evil and good in every heart. And it would be wonderful if we could just cut out the evil part of, but then we die. Right. (laughs) So this is what wall street bets really presents us is that it's a great story. And I like the story and I wish the story were true. I don't think we have the factual evidence that a lot of individuals made any really great profits. We do have, a big guy who was hurt and it is a very important modern phenomenon of people getting together on social media, aggregating and working together 
a million components to be a big guy themselves. So that's all great. What we're left with, though, is it still doesn't get to the necessary reforms of the financial system that, that need to be there and that we can't seem to convince any political party, left wing or right wing, to do. And that's that's the terrible part of it. I, I mean, I'm surprised it's like – like um, you remember that city at home, right? You know, they, they figured yeah. that out like – 1998 like let's get all these people computers and then everyone just does a little bit and we do a big thing or um or it was like like flash mobs that that was a thing too flash mobs it's like everybody go to this park and we're gonna rave dance and then suddenly like you know two thousand people show up at a park right and you know maybe because you know financial people aren't like super hip or something like that like only now have they maybe caught on like oh wait you know instead of sending uh you know a million people to a park to you know to to you know rave dance i don't even know if kids say that anymore let's send a million people to you know to you know to uh you know the uh robin hood that that stock you know uh you know buying company and buy shares in this you know it, it, it just seems interesting that that it, it took this long for 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 people to figure that out yes well you could argue that everything is ruined by becoming popular right yeah 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 <laughs> i mean that, that's when you know your favorite band you want to stop listening to them is when everybody starts listening to them that they're, they're going to go downhill Here's for feeders. That happened to me in the eighties. So, so that's a, that's a perfect example in in terms of, of wall street bets that let's take the world of alternative coinages and currencies and Bitcoin. We hear about Ethereum and Bitcoin, but there's thousands of them now. Yeah. Yeah. And people are pumping them. uh, There's a phenomenon where, YouTube influencers, Instagram, TikTok influencers are basically paid by somebody who creates, apparently you can create your own alternative currency in five minutes. I haven't, I haven't tried doing it. I actually, (laughs) maybe tonight we could create Mamercoin and you, you start pushing it in your podcast and (laughs) we'll be billionaires, but, but, but that's what actually happens. People are creating these alternative coins and then paying influencers to mention them hoping their price will go from one billionth of a cent to 10 cents and, and they can walk away as billionaires. Some of them started as jokes. Dogecoin, for example, apparently there's a couple of, a lot of other ones that started as an actual satire, a mockery of alternative coins, but then people started taking them seriously and, and Tesla and his Saturday night live appearance famously talked about it and the price went down and it, 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 it uh, Marx, I'm not, I don't quote Marx very often. The, you know, history repeats itself. The first time is tragedy. The second time is farce. But in the age of social media, it repeats itself a hundred more times as farce. It never stops repeating itself as farce. Uh, and that's what we have now. Yeah, what was that? A- Elon Musk. I, I am agnostic to him as a human being, but uh, you know, people are like, are you going to watch him on Saturday Night Live? And I'm like, I just, I don't want to contribute to his celebrity. Like that's just my, my that's my position on Elon Musk. Eh, he's got enough. I don't, I, he doesn't need me contributing to his celebrity in any fashion. 
Well, I guess what impresses me about people like him is that he's actually creating physical objects, right? He's not just pushing paper around. That's true, too. Uh, I mean, it is true that like his company, I, I think, made more profits on Bitcoin than they did on, on cars. But he's sending rockets into space. He's making actual physical cars. I sort of, I mean, that's an old-fashioned way of making money, if you think about it. I mean, it's, it's the latest products. But now, for many years, really since the 1980s, we became enamored with the idea of wealth without content, Right. It just you just create a financial instrument, speculate, and you make money without making any product. So I, I do admire people who 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 build things. Yes, yes. I mean that that's the American way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Canadian and USA. Yeah. I mean the the financial system is important because you know, if you and I wanted to start a company, we need capital, right? That's great. But when when you know a, it, a little bit of something is good, too much is bad, right? So if suddenly your whole is called a casino economy, right? If, you're, if your economy is just a casino economy, that's not so good, right? Because you're not making things. I mean, do you? What did you do during the dot com boom back in like you know the late nineties, early two thousands? Well, you're pointing out that look, like everything else, there's a good and a bad aspect of this. The GoFundMe world is very impressive that somebody can not go to to a bank and not go to, to a big institution and ask for money but can go and say look if 10,000 people send me $100 I can build this new mouse trap yeah and there are some really exciting success stories of people building products without a single bank loan with video games to um, to physical machinery. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff and bad stuff happening at the same time. And I think that that's really the key is that I, I always get a little suspicious when any phenomenon is put into the awful, horrible category or the virtuous good category. Yeah. Everything seems to be mixed up. And, and that's, again, we go back to my original point is that we as human beings need to take personal responsibility for our decisions and realize that we can't just blame the world right. for where we are. We have to look at things and make our own judgments. Exactly. And, and stop, stop trying to, you know, villains and heroes that, that there's, that there, there are villains and heroes. And as we've sort of seen in skepticism, sometimes our heroes are, are, are not they're not the best people, you know. But um, well, that's a good a good example. I I guess we won't talk about the cases that you're referring to, but but for example, science. Like I I always tell people I I believe in the scientific method. Right. I don't necessarily believe all scientists yeah, because yeah. I, as somebody who considers himself a social scientist, I can tell you the there are a lot of flawed studies out there yeah. which I don't trust, right? And there's a lot of flawed science out there. I mean. I think we we've discussed before the example is that when I was uh, young in my youth, uh, we were told don't eat butter, eat margarine, but margarine oh, yeah, is so yeah. much more healthy than butter. Right. Yeah. Well, the science is no longer there for that. <laughs> and, 
And and darn those scientists who told my my mother to serve margarine in the 1970s. I'll never forgive them. Wasn't that horrible? Just suddenly, like, you're not eating butter anymore, and now your mom's making you eat margarine? Uh, so... So science can change. Like I, I, there's no possibility that three years from now, scientists and, and physicians and medical researchers are going to look back and say, yep, everything governments did during COVID was the right thing to do. The science is going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to accept that. That's the point. Science can change. I think one of the, the, the great distinguishing marks of science is that it's capable of change. Because new evidence comes along. That's the scientific method. If enough evidence accumulates, you must change the science. Now, a conspiracy theorist, a true classic conspiracy theory, never changes. I mean, they keep adding new stuff to prove they were right. Mm-hmm. Right? They never overturn it and say, well, I guess the evidence has accumulated that I was wrong. Yeah. This is going to happen by the state, it doesn't happen. Whoa, I, I got that totally wrong. <laughs> they they like, ah, well, you know, uh, it's going to happen on this date now, because if, you know, if you look back at the writings of this founding father, you realize that this was part of the Constitution back then, and, that, you know, yeah, there's always, there's always something. Well, thank you very much for your inviting me on the show no no problem yeah yeah we definitely definitely wrap up um i I won't keep you too much longer but what's uh what's what's in store uh for for you in the near future well uh we are getting back to normal or whatever that is i I like to call it normal plus right right here in higher education in general um i i hope I, i think there's some lessons that we're learning, and it's interesting because I talk to a lot of our alumni who are business people like you and alumni who work in government and nonprofits, and I think everybody's saying that this won't be just an anomalous blip. This is something where we're going to look back and say the world changed yeah, in 2020-21, yeah. and things were never the same. And I'm not going to compare it to like World War II, where like right, it was right. the beginning of an era and the end of an era, but... I think your kids and my kids are going to be in a different world because of all the, the many different things that which are still happening today that highlighted sometimes highlighted, like for example, supply chains, right? Oh, yeah. Finding out that if a pipeline closes down for a little bit, suddenly everybody's out of that gas. Or if a, a plant closes down for a couple of days, suddenly people can't buy pool chlorine i mean just just how fragile our world is yeah. uh, and that does make me pretty afraid for the future but i hope we've learned some lessons about trying to cope with yeah. crises well on kind of, yeah on a slightly optimistic note <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 wrap up thank thank you uh th- thank you david thank you Dr. Paul Mutter for coming back on my show. I was really interested in what was going on with this whole, uh, with this whole, uh, this, this whole short squeeze thing. Thank you very much for your time, sir. And uh, keep putting out the great podcasts and I I hope Canada (laughs) sorts its out its, its issues and you can go back to normal plus or normal little bit changed. 
I, I, I just want to go back to sit in the Starbucks and uh, thinking bad thoughts about the other people in the Starbucks. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Have a, have a good night. Thank, thank, thank you again, David. Thank you. Take all care, right. sir. All right. Bye-bye. What's the matter with you?